0: Hallelujah. Well, tonight, um, I'm going to take a minute. Saturday at our men's breakfast, I shared just a portion of this message. And uh, several of the guys said, hey, Pastor, uh, that, that'd be awesome to share in church and stuff. And so I was praying about what to do. And it's going to go in a little different direction, talk some more about the Holy Spirit. But this ties in with this too as well. Last week, we talked about being a people of God's voice. And Sunday morning on Pentecost Sunday, we just talked about the Holy Spirit and uh, celebrated the Holy Spirit. We saw so many people baptized with the Holy Spirit. It was awesome. uh, But this evening, I want to help us a little bit in talking about our true identity. And so I put this little image up there. And if you just kind of look at that and, uh, you know, something's unique about you that every one of us, if we put our thumbprint up there, we all are individuals. Amen? Every thumbprint is uniquely uh, yours. No people, no, nobody has the same fingerprint as you, but I, l- I love this, and Eli and I liked it, because the cross in the middle, it also says not only do you have a fingerprint, but you have God's DNA on the inside of you, amen, and so, and you have an identity in Christ, and it's so important for us to understand, so look at the cover of your outline with me, there's very little you can do in life without proper ID, Now, I've been interested lately, if you have a credit card and everything, gone to the chip card. So it used to be if you were using your credit card, they used to ask you for your ID and to make sure it was yours. But now the chip card, for whatever reason, is supposed to be more secure or whatever. So it's like not that many people. But if you want to travel, Pastor Tim just got back from Central Asia last night, bless the Lord, and uh, after being over there for 18 days and teaching and working with pastors and leaders over there and stuff. And so every time he transitioned either from country or from airport. Or going to he had to show ID. He had to have a passport or else he's not getting out of that country. Amen. Without the proper ID, you really can't go anywhere, especially when it comes to going where you want to go or to a desired destination. In fact, there are those who desire to steal your identity so they can go where they want to go and get what they want to get using your identity. What happens through identity theft? People say, I'm going to take your identity and use it to go where I want to go or to get what I want through your identity. And how many know that's called a thief? But that happens, and it happens to us naturally, but it also happens spiritually. The same is true spiritually in Christ. It is imperative that we know and walk in our true identity. If we want to reach our desired destination and achieve the desired result we're looking for. And uh, hear me tonight. The devil is the master of identity theft. He really is. The devil is the master of identity theft. Or if I could get it. Say it to you another way like this. A getting you to believe, of stealing your identity, and causing you not to believe in who you are in Christ. He, he's so good at that. And so the, these two scriptures are there from two different translations. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. Excuse me. Outline. And it says from the Holman Christian Study Bible, it says, From now on then we do not know anyone purely in a purely human way. Even if we have known Christ in a purely human way, yet now we no longer know Him in this way. The Amplified Bible says like this, Consequently, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from a purely human point of view in terms of natural standards or value. No, even though we did once estimate Christ from a human point of view and as a man, yet now we have such knowledge of Him that we know Him no longer in terms of the flesh. Father, I thank You in these next few moments. That as we open your Word and walk through this lesson, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be the teacher, that you would come alongside and help us to see something we have never seen before from your Word, to hear it, receive it in our heart. And Lord, you said that when we receive your Word in our heart, that the harvest that it contains, it comes forth some 30, 60, and 100-fold. We thank you for the full harvest of your Word in our lives. In Jesus' name, somebody said, Amen. Amen. So look inside your outline. And thinking about it, knowing somebody after the flesh. And that's really what we do, that we usually consider everybody just on a natural level. If another way to say that when Paul said knowing somebody after the flesh, it's just knowing people naturally. And I told them in Sunday morning, and even as your pastor, is that what God does, God does this amazing thing is that He chooses to use people. But the people that He uses are people that need help. Amen. In fact, we were with a whole group of our pastor friends, and we are with Pastor Doug and Janice and other friends. Some of them, uh, next year will be 40 years that that, uh, uh, Pastor Sue and I have known, Pastor Doug and Janice. We've been friends a long time and uh, serving God together all those years. But uh, even as individuals, even being in ministry all that time, we know each other individually. We have frailties, but we also believe in the gift of God that's on the inside of each other. Amen? (coughs) And so what God does, he does this crazy thing. He comes, and by His Spirit, His perfection comes inside of imperfect vessels. God puts perfection inside of imperfection. That's crazy, huh? And then what happens is, when we know everybody by the flesh, and we just consider everybody on a natural level, we just credit the gift because of what God put it in. We look at the vessel, and we just qualify the gift because it's in an imperfect vessel. And anytime you do that on a natural level, and that's what happened to Jesus. When Jesus came, people around him said, oh, who who does he think he is? We know his father Joseph, his mother Mary, his brothers and his sisters are here. Who does he think he is now standing up and saying that he is fulfilling all these scriptures, and he is the Messiah, and he's doing all these works of God? so they were just seeing him on a natural level, and they're missing ourselves. And we do ourselves an injustice, especially in relationship with one another, when we identify everybody on a natural level instead of also on a spiritual level. Can you say amen? But then also, what about yourself? So many times we disqualify ourselves from being used by God because we see ourselves naturally. Most people talk themselves out of being used by God in any form or fashion. Well, I would witness to somebody, but I don't know enough Scripture. There's not one verse in the Bible that tells you to memorize Scripture before you tell somebody about Jesus. In fact, Jesus said this. This is what's going to happen. Now that you're saved, you're going to wait. As we celebrated Sunday morning on Pentecost Sunday, he says the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And the power of the Holy Spirit is going to empower you to be my witness. I'm going to give you the power. I'm going to pour my Spirit out upon you. And my Spirit will anoint you and equip you to be my witness. He didn't tell anybody to memorize a verse. Are you with me? The demonic at the tombs of Gadara, he has all the demons on the inside of him. And, and he gets saved and says, Jesus, I want to follow you. He says, you can't follow me. You go home and tell everybody what great things God has done for you. And the Bible says that he went home and began to broadcast to everybody what God had done in his life. And the next time Jesus came into that region, everybody from all around came to greet him because of that one man's testimony. And yet, he didn't even quote a scripture. He just said what great things God had done. Amen. And so he got past himself and let God use him. So look inside your outline. So my question to you today is, how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? Go with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 and 23 says this. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If, therefore, the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? In other words, Jesus said, how do you see yourself? How do you perceive? And so we hear so much negative about ourselves today. In fact, even in culture, we're, we're, we're attacked for thoughts and for viewpoints on everything. And so we don't even know how to think right. We don't even know what we can say anymore without offending somebody. Hello. And so all this stuff, like, oh, man. And, and then what are we supposed to think about ourselves in all these areas? But Jesus said, man, if you don't have the light in your own heart, if, the, if your eye, if your inward eye and how you see yourself isn't light, then it's going to be darkness. That's going to be hard when your own eye is dark. Amen? So (coughs) self-image, excuse me, your self-image must come from God's image. Genesis 1 and 26, this is what God says about all humanity. It's kind of crazy. People are like fingerprints. Every one of us is completely different. We look different no matter what. Even identical twins are a little bit different. They're not completely identical. It's just to us, you know, we'll look at them and you really have to get to know them. But if you really know them, you can tell them apart. Amen. But from that standpoint, but everybody, Genesis 126 says that God created man in his own image. So you're created in the image and the likeness of God. Could you say amen? That's just good news, isn't it? And so hear this, don't allow yourself to be conformed to the image of this world. That's what Romans 12 verse 2 says, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed by renewing your mind. What does that mean? Don't be conformed to this world, it means don't be shaped by the mindset, the thought process of this world. And that's what's so uh, hard to do. In fact, I, I found the outline from Pastor Cole when he preached a while back. And, and, and he had this statement here, such a powerful statement. I don't know whether he got it or he, or he found it from somebody, but it's just powerful. It says, turn off the noise of the current culture. Turn off the noise of the current culture and philosophy of the world. Be intolerant of tolerance of things accepted by the world that are contrary to the Word of God. Be intolerant. Of things that are contrary to the Word of God, because God comes to you and says, "You can, and the world is constantly telling you you can't. Paul said it like that in Philippians 4: thirteen says, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and many times we'll step out and believe God to do something in our lives and that, and, and then we'll share it with somebody else, and, oh man, I don 't know if that'll work out, that's really amazing. You really believe that for happen? Yes. Well, don't talk me out of it. Agree with me for it. Amen? So trying to get somebody on your team, sometimes it'd be nice to have some cheerleaders. Amen? Let's have some people just believe that God wants to do great things through our life. So there's so much things around the world. The world is always speaking, and you need to understand that. And it goes back, and I don't want to deter very far from this, but identity is so important because whatever you identify with, and you hear me say this all the time, whatever you identify with sets your values. Identity always determines what you value in life. Identity and values always go together. And identity and values, the outcome, the byproduct of what you identify with and what you value always determines the direction you go in life. And so what happens, what the devil wants you to do is he wants to steal your identity. He wants to give you a counterfeit identity. He wants to set his values over your life because he wants you to go in the direction that he wants to take you. Are you with me? That's how the enemy works. That's how culture work. You look at political pundits. We're, now we're in a, in a midterm political season. So you're going to hear all these slogans. And what do you hear? When, when in, whenever there's a political campaign of any kind, people get talking points. And they keep saying that point and point and point and point. And they want you to identify with that point. And once you identify with it, they want you to accept the value of that point so that you will vote in the direction they want you to vote. So identity, value, and directions all go together, and the devil uses that masterfully. You are a chip off the old block. You are just like your Heavenly Father. We've all grown up, and all of us grown up, that somebody said, well, you act just like your dad. You act just like your mom. You're a reflection of them. Yes, we are. We are a chip off the old block of our Heavenly Father. Amen? We're supposed to act just like Him. And then you'll hear people say, I'm trying to find myself. I've met people who can't find their butt with both hands. Amen. They're just just lost. Amen. So, I'm trying to find myself. The real you is not found in nature. Or you won't find yourself in the natural you. We will not find ourselves through therapy. Therapy, health. But usually therapy identifies a problem. And now I have to find a way to get an answer. And so answers come spiritually, not naturally. Are you with me? And so we need help, we need counseling, we use all that. But the answer, that, that's why what, what, what uh, Eve does and others do, neuthetic counseling is spiritual counseling. You identify, because in the mind, the soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. You identify where things are out of balance in the realm of the soul, but then you bring a spiritual antidote to that, or a spiritual answer to that. Are you with me? And so, when you blend the Spirit together, so the answer will always be a biblical truth or principle applied to something that is out of balance naturally. And that's where you get things back in line. Number three, we will see our true image in the mirror of God's Word. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Hebrews chapter 1. What a powerful verse. Are you doing all right? Hebrews. Chapter one. To get this, I'm a little bit of ahead of myself, but uh, I want you to hear this in this context, and we're going to read it here in a minute. But second, we read verse 16, Second Corinthians 5, and verse 16, knowing no man after the flesh. But verse 17 says, "If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old thing, but, but if any man be in Christ, okay, he is a new creation." Um, the Amplified says it like this therefore if any person is engrafted in Christ grafted into Christ mean being one with him when you get saved here's what's hard to understand and thinking spiritually is that when we accept Christ as our Savior we're not outside of him we are in him when it comes to the church the, the church says we are many members but we are one body Okay? And, and, and this is hard to understand even for us be, be, because pa- Paul says that the things of God, the natural man doesn't understand, understand the things of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, because they are spiritually discerned. When God talks about Israel, he always talks about Jacob or Israel. He always speaks of Israel as one man, as a whole nation, but as one man. And when the Lord speaks about the church, He doesn't speak about individuals. He speaks about one person, about Christ. We are the body of Christ. And we are members in particular. So we are in Christ. And what happens, your true identity is in Him. is not in yourself. Your true identity is in Christ. So if any man be in Christ, engrafted into Him, hear this, is engrafted in Christ the Messiah. He is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, previous, moral and spiritual condition has passed away because the fresh and the new has come. So in Christ we are fresh and new. And it's not who I am, it's I am in Him. So my identity is now Christ. Amen? And so getting a hold of that is so powerful. Now listen, Hebrews chapter. 1 and verse 3, speaking of, well, I'll just read verses 1, 2, and 3. God at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. So Jesus is the heir of what? All things, all right. And if you're in Christ, then the Bible says in Ephesians, you are a joint heir with him, amen? So you're a co-heir with Christ. Through him also he made the world. Now why? Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Jesus is the perfect reflection. When you look in the mirror and you see you, what are you seeing? You? Is that you? You're seeing an exact image, the express image, a perfect reflection of all that you are, is in the mirror looking back at you. Now, if that thing reaches out and touches you, I'd get a new mirror. But what's in there is a perfect representation and a reflection of you. So Jesus came into the earth as a perfect, full, complete reflection, expression of the Father. And now you and I are in Him. Are you doing all right? Okay. So, we see our true image in the mirror of God's Word. So, when we start looking in the Word, the Word starts telling us who we are in Christ. In fact, years ago, Brother Hagan wrote a little mini book, and it was just called In Him. And it was just all scriptures that had to do in Him, with Him, through Him, by Him, everything about our connection in Christ. And it's so powerful to renew your mind and to see yourself in Christ is transformational. See, some are living with a fake ID. I want to encourage you, just decide to be the real you. I said this to the men Saturday morning. When you try to be like somebody, there was an old commercial years and years ago when uh, M- Michael Jordan was playing basketball and in his heyday, he was, the uh, you know, with LeBron James and all those when he was at his prime women, all his championships and stuff like that. There was a little guy running around and he's going, I want to be like Mike. That was the slogan. I forget what what they were selling, but the ad campaign was, I want to be like Mike. Well, just be you. Because you can never be somebody else. And when you're trying to be somebody else or shape your identity to be like somebody else, the best you can be is a cheap imitation. You'll just always be a copy. When God made you to be an original. Amen? Amen. In fact, I was laughing we were talking because I, I was using fake watches. You know, you go downtown on some of the streets in downtown city, and, and, and they'll show you what it look like, whether it is, you know, th- this is a tag. And so they go, oh, this is the, we have a tag here. Oh, you could get a Rolex. You get this, you get that. And people go, it's, it's not a Rolex. It's a Folex. Amen. It's a phony Rolex. Amen. It is a Folex. Hallelujah. And so, <laughs> but he said that, that I forget who was telling me, but he said he was at, uh, ran into a lady who had just come into a store or something, and she came in from the park and said, oh man, I got this cool a watch from this guy out in the park. It said he was desperate for money and uh, so he was showing it to him and, and then the gentleman looked at it and he said, that didn't say of it says Bolivia. <laughs> 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 so yeah, you got a great deal, amen. That was awesome. So decide to like the real you. you have to like you. Amen. You have to be satisfied with who you are and how God made you. Amen. Don't try to fix that. We can never succeed being a fake. You are a great you, but a lousy imitation. Amen. Be the real you. See, Satan is the master of identity theft. His desire is to steal your ID and then to take your life. That's his goal. The devil is a thief. Jesus says, the thief has only come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. See, when he steals your identification, he has us doing things we would never do in our true identity. When the devil gets you to believe in something other than who you really are, he's able to manipulate you and steer you into doing things you wouldn't do in your true identity in Christ. So, hear me tonight. God doesn't save the old you. I told this to the men the other day. I forget one of my preacher friends who said it. I I think it was Pastor Tim Delina that said it. I'm not sure, but I'll give Tim credit for it. He said, both God and the devil are trying to kill you. They are. The Bible says that The the devil's goal is to destroy everybody. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to crucify your old man for your old man to die so he could raise him up in newness of life. But in order to give you newness of life, he has to get you to agree to kill your old man. So both God and the devil are out to kill you. Jesus is when God and the Father just want to give you a resurrection on the other side of death. Amen? Amen. And so that's our hope, is to walk in that newness of life. So God doesn't save the old you. He makes a new you. So that's what we're doing. I'm going to read it one more time. Second Corinthians chapter 7. I'm going to read from the Amplified. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation. A new create. When you say, you become brand new. A new creation. Altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. Somebody say, Thank God. Amen. So Acts 17, verse 28 says, In Him we live. And we move and we have our being. So our life is now in Christ. We are hidden in Him and we are living in Him. And when we start looking for that and living and walking that way by faith, life changes. See, most Christians think of themselves as the same old person except now we get to go to heaven. I can say, but I'm just the same me. I'm just on my way to heaven. Amen. Well, you know, I teach people all the time when I go to the store, they say, how you doing? I say, man, I'm doing great. I'm saved. I'm born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, on my way to heaven, having fun in the meantime. How are you doing? Amen. Like, oh, yeah, hey, cool. <laughs> Amen. But that's the truth. We are on our way to heaven. But if God didn't just come just to save the old you. He came to recreate you, renew you. And give you a brand new you. Think about it. Matthew 10. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to read to you out of the New Living Translation, but also out of uh, the Amplified. Matthew 10, verses 37, 38, and 39 says this. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Verse 39. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Listen to verse 39 now, the Amplify. This is an awesome. Whoever finds his lower life will lose it. The higher life will lose it, the higher life. Whoever loses his lower life on my account will find it, the higher life. So the invitation of God is give up the lower, natural, fallen life for the higher, new, spiritual life in Christ. Amen? That's God's invitation to us. See, we keep the same identity by keeping the same relationships, confessions, beliefs about money, health, etc., lifestyle. And Jesus says, hey... If you're coming after me, then there has to be a change in relationship, in connections, in viewpoints on every level, all the way down to the very core of life. And on the other side of that is new life. When we hang hang on to our worldly identity, we lose our abundant life in Christ. We must lose our fleshly self so we can find our spiritual self. Would you agree? That's really, years ago, my, my pastor would always say it like this. Brotherhood would always say it like this. He said, the gospel is really simple. It's just this. God tells us like this. He said, let go of the world and grab hold of God. Let go of the world and grab hold of God. Your whole life, that's what you'll deal with. Throughout our life and our walk, it's, we, we always, how much can I hold on to this and still hang on to God? Jesus says, hey, you can't serve two masters. You can't go in two directions. And the hard part is in our mind, we keep reading it. If If we don't get a new identity in being in Christ, then so much of the world, we think so much of the world gives us our identity. And, and that isn't where identity comes from. Now, let me give it to you like this, about an imitation. In the beginning of the garden, or, or really being the new you, in the beginning in the garden, the Bible says that both Adam and Eve were there, and they were together, and they were both naked and unashamed. Or in other words, God created them. Nothing outside of them was giving them an identity. Their fashion. There was no style identity. There was no pure identity. There was nothing. They were just the son and the daughter of God. And they were walking in fellowship with God with nothing adding value to who they were or to their relationship with God. Are you with me? Their identity was just pure and honest. Before God and before each other. When you have to think of all the things we think we have to have to have an identity in this world today. Amen. I used to laugh at one guy, one preacher used to say, You know what's funny? When you get a new car, you watch people, when they get a new car for the first three months, every window they drive by, they check themselves out in. <laughs> I look good in this car. Amen. Or clothes, you get stuff, do whatever, you check yourself out, how you look. And so we find value in that. But that's not the real you. The real you is on the inside. Amen? The real man, the, the, Paul said it like this, though our outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. So learning to live from the inside out is so much different. But we fight so hard to hold on to that worldly identity, we have to lose our fleshly self to find that spiritual man. See, you're a new species. It's a, think about that. A brand new species. A new creature in Christ Jesus. You're totally different from this world. Jesus said like this, we're in the world, but not of the world. So we're totally different and from this world and separated from it. Go with me to Acts chapter 8. And uh, how many have ever heard of the Apostle Paul? How many know before he was an apostle, he was kind of a... Uh, a conflict to the church <laughs> Acts chapter 8 and verse 1 said Saul now Saul was consenting to Stephen's death so Paul Stephen is being persecuted and he's being stoned and Paul is standing there as a spiritual authority and they're laying everybody's coming to stone him and they're putting their coats at his feet and by doing that Paul is giving them the permission that what they're doing is okay he's sanctioning He has the authority to sanction the stoning of Stephen. That's his place in the hierarchy, religious hierarchy of that that moment there. And so he's the one there sanctioning Stephen being stoned and giving permission to that. So Saul, consenting to his death, at that time a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem. They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made a great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Wow. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Look over chapter 9 and verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus. So if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And we know that he's going, he has an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he gets saved. And the next thing you know, he goes from being Saul the persecutor to Paul the apostle. So how many know that's quite a transformation? That's a life change. Amen? From, from being a persecutor, a murderer, somebody who imprisoned people and sanctioned the death of other people, to going to somebody who completely turns around and puts himself on the other team. Wow. That's an amazing. And 2 Corinthians, if you have your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and listen how Paul declares this. In fact, we know it in uh, Philippians. He says, as touching the law, I was blameless. When I was doing all those things, I was doing everything according to the letter of the law. And when it came to Stephen, it came to these other things. That was considered heresy by us. So stoning him, doing all this stuff. He says, I was blameless. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and, spiritual per- and, and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Open your hearts to us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. So the Paul who was a persecutor is now telling the church of Corinth, man, I've wronged nobody. I've cheated nobody. We've done. What a change. Amen. But to get that, that's how you have to see yourself. Your identity as a believer is you're a new Christian, you're a new creation in Christ. And I know people who've been saved a long time, and people say, "Well, you know, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace." Well, are you still sinning. No, then why are you saying you're an old sinner? All right, thank you for that. Hush. Amen. I'm either the Bible says the the Bible's written to the saints. See, saint doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means you're saved. See, we're a new creation. And so, look it. All things pass away. Behold, all things what? Become new. Everything, the old things are passing away. They're in the continual progressive process of putting off the old man and putting on the new man. Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3, put off the old man and be renewed in knowledge. You're you're always in the process of transformation. You're living in the process of transformation. People think I joke about it because I say I'm just not that saved. I'm in the process of being saved. I was saved. I am saved. I am being saved. I shall be saved. I mean, I'm, I'm in the process. You and I are. There are things that we're doing. Most of us, if you've been saved for very long, you think, man, I should have the victory over that by now. You know, I should have conquered that. But I'm pressing on inward. That's why the Apostle Paul, and, and as we were sitting last night with our pastor friends, I said this. I said, guys, we have to protect our hearts. Because this is what God does. When it comes to the fivefold ministry, this is what Ephesians 4 says. God said this in verse 11. He says that when Christ ascended, before he ascended, he gave gifts unto men. And we've turned that around and said, oh, he gave gifts unto men. I, God gave me a gift. No, he made you a gift, he put a deposit inside of you. And made you an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, and he gave you the fivefold ministry is God's gift in men given to people. The ministry is God's gift to people, not to the minister. Hello? Just like the Holy Spirit. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every person. 1 Corinthians twelve seven. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every person to profit with all. God doesn't put the gifts of the Holy Spirit in you so you can prophesy to yourself. So you can give yourself a word of knowledge in the mirror. That isn't, the Holy Spirit is in you for the benefit of others. Ministry gifts are a gift. And so I was telling my friends last night, we have to remind ourselves that there's a gift in us for the benefit of others. And when it comes to teaching the Word, we are anointed to see truth and to teach truth and to impart truth to the people so they can grow in maturity in the Lord. God gave gifts to people to bring them to maturity in Christ. Are you with me? For the perfecting of the saints. Till we all come up into the fullness of the stature of Christ. But for you and I, for me as a pastor, after I'm done preaching, i got to go home and live my message just like you. And so there, there, there's no anointing that gets you around not having to live the word like everybody else. Are you with me? And so that's so important. And that's, we wonder, how do ministers fall? Because they think the gift perfects them. The gift doesn't perfect you in any way. The gift is flowing through you for the benefit of people. And when you hear people say, my ministry, it is not your ministry. Your ministry is people. You can get to take your ministry and do that. Well, my ministry is this. My ministry. No, your ministry is peep. Ministry is serving. The word ministry means Serving. Doing all right? all right? Somebody needs to hear this now. I don't want them going in there. But ministry is serving, and so you give yourself away to be. What did Jesus say? Jesus didn't go around, you know, my ministry is to be the Messiah. He said, no, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. And he came to give himself a ransom for many. Look what Jesus said. He knelt down and he washed his disciples' feet. And he said, I've showed you how to do that. I've showed you how to do this thing called ministry. I've showed you how to serve. And so Jesus told us that we should be seeking towels instead of titles. Could you say amen? Amen. So in the, so you're this new species. Paul's transformed. He had murdered. He had persecuted. That old man died, but the new man was reborn. Think about it. You can't go back and change your path. Wouldn't that be nice if we could? Wouldn't it really be cool if we could go back to the future? Amen? We can't. So, we just have to hang out and stay where we are. You can only die to your past, release it, and be free from it. You need to be free from your past. The devil is the great reminder. We talked about a few weeks ago when we preached on your backstory, And God set you free, and God moved mightily and touched people's lives. See, your sin is not just covered. It was washed away by the blood of Jesus. God didn't just cover our sins. It's different. In the Old Testament, when they put the the, the, the the when they did the sacrifice and stuff, it just pushed sins forward for a year. It, it stayed off judgment. Jesus' blood didn't push sin forward for a year, it erased it forever. Your, your sin isn't just covered, it's gone. It's erased. As far as the east is from the west, he has separated you from your sins. You've been washed by the blood amen thank god for that see when we fail he forgives us and we start again as new creation amen first john 1 9 if we confess our sin he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness amen and so he keeps us fresh and he keeps us new are you doing okay So let me give you this just real quick as we close tonight. Let me give you just five little steps to a new identity. How to have a new identity. First of all, release the old man. The fleshly nature, natural identity of your past that has controlled your lives up until now. We all have an old identity. Let that go. That's controlled you up till now. So lose your life, as we read in Matthew 10, 39. If we lose that old life, we can have that new life. If we try to hold on to that, let it go. Amen. And then dedicate, secondly, dedicate your life to Christ. We must live submitted and committed to His will and destiny for our lives. If you have your Bibles, we'll read one last scripture. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And verses 1 through 3. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Look at, so here's Paul. Look at his declaration. Here he was, the persecutor, and he said, now I'm an apostle by the will of God. Wow. And Timothy, our brother, to the saints. Everybody say, to the saints. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. (laughs) To the saints. He said, well, I'm not a saint. I know what I was thinking before I got to church. Amen. Well. Amen. That's why Jesus died. See, that's what's amazing about grace. You know what's amazing about grace? It's God's power doing for you what you could never do for yourself. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossians, grace you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Look at verse 10. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So we're called to live a life committed to Him and so walk worthy of Him, honoring Him. And Matt, help us sing about some of that tonight. Think about it, verse 3. Third, I mean number 3. We focus our thoughts in order to have a new identity. Focus your thoughts, emotions, and actions on the example of of Christ in the Gospels. 1 John 4, 17 says, as He is, as Christ is, so are we in the world. We are as Christ in the earth, so we can do that. In fact, I was meditating on this today, and I just thinking in, in John chapter 14, Jesus, he that believes on me and the works that I do, shall he do also. That's what Jesus said. Look what Jesus said. He that believes in me and the works that I do shall he do also. And usually what we do, because we have a, 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 a improper identity about ourselves in Christ, we don't believe that we could do anything that Jesus did. We have an identity that says, I could never do what Jesus did. And Jesus has said, he that believes in me... Here's the qualification. He that believes in me and the works that I do, he'll do them also. That means you can pray for sick people and they'll get healed. You can deliver people from bondage and oppressions of the the devil. God will work through your life the same way he worked through Christ. Everybody look up here just for a moment. This is what religion has told us. Jesus was God in the flesh. Yeah. Jesus was the Word made flesh. True. Now you are flesh being made the Word. You're born again by an incorruptible seed. The Word of God, the same way you get born again, the same way Mary conceived Christ. She believed God's Word would produce the life of the Son of God in her, and she would give birth to a child. You, We believe that God's Word, we believe the Word of God. 1 Peter 1.23, you are born again by an incorruptible seed. The life of God is on the inside of you. As newborn babes, where are you a newborn babe? On the inside. Your new man is alive on the inside. As newborn babe. 1 Peter 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word so that you can grow. So we're supposed to grow into maturity. Hebrews 5 says, by now, you should be, uh, I should be able to speak things to you and, and, and give strong meat to you. But, but you can't handle it. You can only take meat because you're still immature. And so there's an expectancy that we have a maturity and we grow up in Christ. But if we never grow in our identity of who we are in God and never come to maturity of a right identity of who we are, we'll always be talked out of being able to do anything. And we'll feel helpless and weak in God when we really are as He is in the earth. Could you say Amen? He's the Lord. What's hard is when you preach the gospel, people think you're making stuff up. I mean, you know what I just said. When you really preach the gospel as it's written, people think, "Man, you're making stuff up." No, we're just telling what the truth actually is. Are you doing all right? All right, so number four, we have to meditate upon God's promises and see ourselves receiving them. When's the last time you saw yourself just getting healed? Being blessed, seeing, believing God would answer your prayers. I brought this out tonight. Watch this. I pulled this up a while back when we were doing the National Day of Prayer. It was just some scripture prayer, but these are all just prayer promises. Okay. Let me just read every one. Every one of these lines is connected to a scripture verse. So this is just about receiving an answer to prayer. I'm ready to perform my word, asking you will receive that your joy may be full. Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing believing you will receive. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It makes much power available. You will make your prayer to him and he will hear you. Now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have received the petition we have asked of Him. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to return void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven, and I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask, my Father, and whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give you. You I mean, oh, know, every one of them just told us we can believe to get an answer from prayer. So just turn around, just believe and see yourself receiving the promises of God get a new identity. See yourself righteous in Christ, walking in integrity and honor, exemplifying godly character. See yourself being happy. Jesus said, uh, Jesus said, I've come that your joy might be full. Wow. Think about that. See yourself healthy. How can, well how can you see yourself healthy because Matthew 8 says he took our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses that it might be, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Amen. And so see yourself in healthy relationships. I can't get along with anybody. Well, if we get you saved, people will get along with you. Amen. So see yourself in healthy relationships. I have great friends. I have great relationships. I have long life. I love the fact. I say, I have friends. Yesterday we were around there. We've been friends. We added all up. Friends and Cindy, we've been friends with them for 30 years. Richard and Corinne for 30 years. Look at all these people. I the people I've had friends in my life for decades. You are, it's god will that you would have good, healthy relationship. People in our church have been with us for decades. We're supposed to have good relationship. Declare that over yourself. See yourself financially blessed. Don't buy the lie of this world. Amen. Listen, listen, the world tells you we need to raise everybody's wages to $15 an hour. That is not the answer. Minimum wage is not an answer. Jim Rohn said it best. Minimum wage is a starting point. It's supposed to be the economy is a ladder, not a bed. Minimum wage is not a bed. It's a ladder. It's the bottom rung on the ladder. So, "Well, how do I make more money? Everybody listen to me just for a minute. You know what you get paid for? You do not get paid for the time you spend at work. That is not what you get paid for. You get paid for the problems you solve. That's what you get paid for. You get paid for solving problems. If you want to make more money, learn how to solve bigger problems. Working at McDonald's, the problem at McDonald's is that burgers raw, we have to get it cooked and on the bun. We have to get the beans out of the tray onto the tortilla rolled and in the bag. That's not a huge problem. Okay, we're not going to pay you 40 bucks an hour to get the beans on the tortilla in the bag. It's not a big problem. You get paid for the problems you solve, not for the time you spent on the job. But we think I should get paid for my time whether I solve problems, that just my time is valuable. Your time is only valuable if it brings an answer. Are you with me? And so the mindset of this world that keeps trying to raise the value of time without solving any problems is a pattern for self-destruction. That's a good word right there. You guys missed it all the way around. So watch this. So see yourself financially. Believe that God will give you the... Believe that you're smart. Believe that you can learn. Believe that you can... Wherever you go, whoever hires you, I'm going to be the best employee. I bring value. I walked in this door. This company got better because they hired me. I bring value. I can learn. I can grow. I can increase. Amen. And I can position myself for promotion. I will make myself invaluable. Amen. It's the best way to do it. So, send it. so see yourself blessed financially and that it'll come. See yourself fulfilling your calling and destiny in Christ. And lastly, when you embrace and accept your new identity as a reality, you become comfortable with who you are in Christ in your heart. See, I'm comfortable with who I am in the Lord, knowing that I'm still in process. Knowing that I still have faults and failures, and I'm in process with God. But I'm comfortable in my identity. I asked the guys the other day, and, and just think about, you know, I don't have to be healed to believe, to pray for people to be healed. I don't have, to, I, I could have an issue in my body or do something, and, and, and uh, still believe for people to be healed. But the devil said, well, how can you believe for somebody to be healed? You're battling something in your own body. Anytime you hear that voice, you you need need to learn the two most spiritual Hebrew words that you could learn. Shut up. You need to tell the devil, shut up. Just shut up. I know who I I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to believe that lie. Uh, This is what I believe. The Bible says, these signs will follow them that believe. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. And so, this looks what the Bible says. The Bible says, pray for one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. So by praying for other people, healing comes to you. Because God ordained sowing and reaping. And so, the best way I know to stay healthy is to help other people be healthy. Pray for other people, minister to other people, encourage other people, visit other people in the hospital. Be an encourager, sow into other people's lives in in, in the area of hell, in all these areas. Be a sower in all these areas, and you reap the harvest of God. Amen? Be comfortable in your own heart, and then give. And then you can see yourself possessing the promise. God said to Joshua, Joshua chapter 6, verse 2, He said, See, I've given Jericho into your hand. And there it is, the wall still standing up. And God said, look, it's yours. It's yours. See yourself possessing it. Amen? Let's close with this. I, put the, I had all the guys say this, so I put it in here tonight. And I want you to just read along with this. We'll say it together. And, uh, but every line of this confession is connected to a Scripture verse. So say it with me. I am a child of God through Jesus Christ. I am a new person in Christ. My old life is dead and gone. I'm raised up with Christ to live a new life. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. I am renewed in knowledge according to the image of Christ. I am made righteous. I am blessed with everything heaven has to offer. I am healed. My needs are met. I overcome every problem and win in every circumstance. For I am more than a conqueror. I am fulfilling my destiny. My life is a success in Christ. Amen. How I many know just saying that makes you feel better? Glory to God. How I many know that sounds better than, oh my gosh, I don't know what we're going to do. But everything works out right. How come everything happens to me? I don't know. They don't like me. Oh, 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 oh. Do yourself a favor. Tell yourself to shut up. Amen. <laughs> Father, I thank you tonight for your grace, your mercy, your kindness in our life. Father, I thank you. You have set. Your stamp of identity upon us. You have saved us and redeemed us. You have called us by name. Lord, the verse says, the song says, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Child, you are mine. Some of you in here need to hear that tonight. You are a child of God. God loves you. He saved you. He redeemed you. He has called you by name name and he has set you free father i pray your blessing over your people tonight that they would know truly who they are in christ and i give you praise and glory for your promises fulfilled in each and every one of their lives in jesus name somebody said amen Amen.